Welcome to Copyright Clearance Center's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book. It's Friday, July 21st, 2017. Our weekly guest is Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly senior writer, who joins me today from his office in Manhattan. Welcome back to Beyond the Book, Andrew. Greetings, Chris. Well, this week, publishers and bookstore owners cheered good news from several corners. As you often uh, describe for us, Andrew, public libraries provide a strong foundation for publishers' sales, and a recent congressional committee vote has raised hopes that federal budget dollars will continue to flow in that direction in spite of White House efforts to eliminate any library support. Uh, yeah, that's absolutely right. And and overall, the budget battle is starting to kick up again in Washington. But as you note, this time with a little bit of optimism for libraries and library supporters. Uh, specifically, the House Appropriations Committee is looking at level funding for libraries in FY 2018. Uh, so that would mean roughly $231 million for the Institute of Museum and Library Services, $183 million for the Library Services and Technology Act, and twenty seven million for the innovative approaches to literacy program and and that's all good news because it comes after President Trump, as you noted, in May, doubled down on his calls to eliminate the Institute for Museum and Library Services, as well as virtually all federal funding for libraries. Um, and also, of course, a host of other vital agencies, including the National Endowments uh, for the Arts and the Humanities. But for now, it appears the IMLS is poised to hang on. Uh, of course, we shouldn't get too far ahead of ourselves. In a post on the American Library Association's uh, Washington office newsletter, called the District Dispatch, uh, new ALA President Jim Neal called the subcommittee vote an important step in a lengthy congressional appropriations process, uh, but a development nevertheless that shows that our elected officials are actually listening and recognizing the importance of libraries. As our listeners may recall, since Trump first floated the elimination of financial support for libraries, supporters have been rallying to defend library funding, and those efforts appear to be working, but they have to continue. As Jim Neal notes uh, the fiscal year 2018 federal library funding. It's not been saved yet. And there are lots of hurdles that can still arise at each stage of the appropriations process. And it's worth noting, too, here, uh, at the same time that the appropriations subcommittee was voting to fund libraries, the House Budget Committee, another committee, put forth a resolution that is every bit, if not more drastic than Trump's budget proposal from May of this year. So there's a lot of work to be done before the fiscal year uh, ends in September to get a new uh, budget that's library friendly passed. All right. So so caution noted, Andrew Albanese, but librarians still have to be feeling pretty good about all of this. Uh, is there a sense uh, among the community that library funding on the federal level is going to make it through? Well, I'd say the prevailing sense is still uncertainty, uh, as you can well imagine, especially given the uncertainty over the health care bill and other legislative developments or non-developments, we should say. Uh, there really is a sense that there's no one really driving the bus on legislative matters in Washington, and I think that's concerning for people. Um, one of the big drivers of that uncertainty, of course, is that President Trump is simply not having any success in governing. Uh, you know, there are just thousands of vacancies still in key positions that, that make our government run. So in many cases, there aren't even appointees for those positions. So it, it's hard to really know how to make your case or who to make your case to, right? If you, if you don't know who's actually going to be administering the laws in our country. Generally, it's wise to make that case to lawmakers, and that's what the ALA is doing. They're going right to Congress. Uh, but still, you need people in place to actually administer government. And 
all we're all consumed with headlines about Russia or the healthcare bill or divisions not just between the two parties but within the ruling party itself the GOP uh, you know the fact is that there's this kind of atrophy that seems to be setting in uh, with government the, the people that make government work are just not there so you know I'd say the legislative signs are hopeful for libraries in terms of the budget but the amount of uncertainty is still very problematic. When Beyond the Book returns, Andrew Albanese reports on a Canadian bookstore chain getting ready to slip across the border. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book. Publishers Weekly Radio has the very best in book talk directly from New York City, the heart of the book publishing world. I'm Mark Rotella, Senior Editor at Publishers Weekly. And I'm Rose Fox. I'm a Senior Reviews Editor at Publishers Weekly. Join us every Friday for a full hour of exciting author interviews, best-selling books, and expert reports on the nuts and bolts of publishing. Every week, we make sure that you have the inside story of your favorite story. Take a listen at publishersweekly.com slash pwradio. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book with Andrew Albanese of Publishers Weekly, and we review the book business headlines every week on Friday. Book selling news can make for dark reading in any season, but this summer the story is as sunny as a good beach book. What's the story for 2017 up to this point, Andrew? Yeah, so, you know, after a sluggish beginning to the year, a three-month rally has made bookstore sales through the first five months of 2017 almost even uh, with the same period last year. As we reported this week on the Publishers weekly website. For the third month in a row, bookstore sales rose. Uh, That's according to preliminary estimates released by the U.S. Census Bureau, which tracks these sales. Uh, And the last month that was tracked, I believe, was the month of May. Uh, And with that, total bookstore sales in 2017 were only down by about a million dollars compared to last year. And that's really actually encouraging news to only be a million down at this point. But perhaps the most encouraging news is that Canadian chain Indigo Books and Music uh, is set to be in discussions to expand operations into the United States as early as next year. This according to several high-level executives at publishing houses in Canada and in the U.S. Uh, and according to those sources, representatives of the Canadian retailer were taking meetings about the potential expansion during this year's Book Expo here in New York. As of May 31st, 2016, Indigo operated I think about 89 superstores. Uh, that's under all of its brands. That's Indigo and Chapters. It also ran uh, about 123 small format stores under the names Coles, Indigo, Indigo Spirit, Smith Books, The Book Company, and all of these are in Canada. Indigo's revenue has been on the rise as well. For the fiscal year that ended April 17th, the company reported total revenue of just over a billion dollars Canadian. That's the chain's highest revenue mark to date, and it's an increase of 2.6% over last year. And a book chain that's showing positive margins, it would be a wonderful thing to have here in the United States. I think we, we can agree on that. Uh, and the reason why they're succeeding, uh, many people are pinning that success on the launch of a new bookstore concept, which Indigo executives have described sort of, um, we'll call it a book lover's cultural department store. So we'll have more on this development in Monday's issue of PW, and you can read more, of course, on the Publishers Weekly website as well. I will say at this point, too, Indigo won't confirm or deny the company's intention to open a U.S. location, uh, but suffice it to say, the publishing community here would surely welcome uh, that expansion to the U.S., especially as Barnes & Noble uh, continues to underperform and as Amazon considers expanding its physical presence. 
Uh, Well, the good news is out there, but not for everybody. And one person not having a good week when it comes to book selling is Milo Yiannopoulos. We've been talking a lot about him the last few weeks, and he actually called PW's report on the sales of his book last week as fake news, which means he's probably not going to like the news you got (laughs) this week. Tell us about that. Yeah, so the news, unfortunately, is very, very real. And it's not very good for Milo, whose book Dangerous went from selling over 18,000 copies in its first week to just over 10,000 in its second, according to Bookstand and Bookscan, excuse me. And as you know, Milo called our story uh, last week on his sales. Uh, everybody who reported those figures, he called it fake news. And he did confirm, however, that the 105,000 sales he claimed were actually orders, not actually sales to consumers. So we did at least get that clarification. Uh, and his team also suggested that this week's sales were going to go up. Uh, you might say they were going to go up bigly in the second week because the major booksellers uh, just didn't order enough ahead of time, but they were and were playing catch up. But apparently they were supposed to catch up by this week. But that does not appear to be the case. We saw a 42% drop in consumer sales, and that doesn't suggest a lot of pent up demand. And while we don't know ebook sales, uh, we do know that the ebook version on Apple uh, failed to crack the top 20. But I'm going to add this much. You know, he is a bestseller. Milo's book is still a bestseller. It was number two last week on the nonfiction list, and it's number eight on the list this week, which is a respectable position. And his 29,000 total sales, consumer sales, that's actually really pretty good through the first two weeks. And in fact, uh, are really good, very good for a self-published title, which goes back to one of the things that I think I pointed out weeks ago is something to watch on this show. And that's how this book would unfold as a self-publishing story. Uh, As I suggested, I thought Milo was going to find publishing his book himself to be a pretty big challenge, actually getting the books out and into stores and filling orders and cashing checks, that's not easy work. And and I think he's saying that it's not nearly either A, as lucrative, or B, as simple as he once thought it might be. And a final note, and then I promise we're done with Milo, at least for this week, but hopefully for a few weeks. I want to go back to his lawsuit against Simon & Schuster, which we discussed last week, and which I kind of threw cold water on the idea, not me, but some lawyers I spoke to, that he could ever collect $10 million from this kind of narrow breach of contract suit that he's filed against his former publisher, Simon & Schuster. Well, turns out Milo's attorney, Stephen B. Meister, has pointed out that our story omitted the fact that Milo was also seeking disgorgement of profits to the extent that Simon & Schuster opportunistically terminated its deal with Milo. In other words, Meister is contending the SNS breached Milo's contract to blunt threats of this broader economic boycott by other authors and players, something we've talked about on the show in the past. Uh, And therefore, the court should award a portion of Simon & Schuster's total profits uh, to Milo as a punishment. So I did not discuss disgorgement in that article. That is true, but only because I couldn't find a lawyer who thought it was at all viable. Now, Disgorgement is a remedy in some breach of contract cases, uh, and, and you know I'm not a lawyer, but you know it seemed to me that a multi-million dollar company-wide disgorgement award would be unprecedented. And indeed, the research I sh- I've done, I can't find one case where it's ever come up in a breach of contract uh, suit in publishing. But I'm going to do a little follow-up on this question, and I've reached out, and I've actually been in contact with some of the top remedies lawyers in the United States on whether this disgorgement question 
question could actually carry an award for for Milo here. Uh, So you can look for that story next week in Publishers Weekly. Uh, And if it is true, if it comes forward that the disgorgement of profits for opportunistically terminating a contract uh, is is viable, I think it's going to cast a real chill over how some publishers do business. Well, Andrew Albanese, Senior Writer at Publishers Weekly, thanks for presenting the case for books this week and every Friday. My pleasure, as always. Coming up next on Beyond the Book, for the first time in nearly three decades, France is guest of honor at the Frankfurt Book Fair, the world's largest publishing industry exposition. Edward Nowatka is bookselling and international news editor at Publishers Weekly, and he tells us what to expect. You're going to see a display of the legacy of French colonial power, but you're also going to see the rebirth and the transformation of that power into a very modern presentation of of living French, if you will, Um, because French certainly sounds different in Africa or in Montreal than it does in Paris, let alone in Marseille or Brittany. So you're going to see a sort of myriad of um, manifestations of that and you're also going to see um, certainly some of the, the high, high-level intellectual firepower that's going to be on display. You know, the French have no shortage of prize-winning authors and provocateurs. The book business as it looks from the Champs-Élysées, next on Beyond the Book. Beyond the Book is produced by Copyright Clearance Center, a global leader in content management, discovery, and document delivery solutions. Through its relationships with those who use and create content, CCC and its subsidiaries RightsDirect and Ixis drive market-based solutions that accelerate knowledge, power publishing, and advance copyright. Beyond the Book co-producer and recording engineer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. I'm Christopher Keneally. Join us again soon on Beyond the Book. Thank you.